Welcome to Boston Children's Answers. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Arnold. As a mom and a doctor, I'm passionate about helping kids stay healthy and happy. So join me as I chat with other Boston Children's experts to find answers for you and your family. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. In today's episode, we're talking about healthy eating for our kids and our teens. Let's get started with today's parent question. Hi, my name is Amanda. So I have three kids and they all eat very differently. My youngest is a very plain eater and basically lives on pasta with butter. My next oldest is an athlete and he eats everything as fast as I can buy it. And my oldest, I don't think she's eating enough. How do I help get them all on the right track? Oh, Amanda, I feel your pain. I think for all of us, from the time our kids are newborns all the way into teenagers, we're worried about helping them to have healthy diets and to have good nutrition. Whether it's thinking about breast milk versus formula or all the way into teenagers worrying about them having too many fast food dinners, this is a challenge. Well, luckily for all of us today, we have an expert here in nutrition to help educate us on how to have a healthier diet for our kids. Carolina Ruiz. She's a clinical nutrition specialist here at Boston Children's Hospital. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carolina. Thank you for inviting me this morning. Happy to be here. I have a lot of questions for you because I am definitely not the best at nutrition. However, before we get started, tell me how you got into your specialty. Okay, so it's a very good question. Nutrition really captured my attention because of the way that we can prevent disease later in life. And I feel like pediatric is exactly the population where we can do those preventions. Yeah, nutrition affects us all, no matter what our medical condition might be. Exactly. We can really make big improvements throughout nutrition before medicine and other interventions sometimes. That's really great. Carolina, so you are a licensed dietitian nutritionist, which essentially is, to me, a really important key piece about your career and your approach. Can you tell me in our audience what it means to be a licensed nutritionist? Yeah, so the difference between a nutritionist and a licensed nutritionist is that we have the knowledge and the training, and we need to renew this training every five years to make sure that our patients have the best information all the time. That's reassuring to me to know that we have licensed nutritionists. You're at the top of your game. You're up to date with all of the latest and most important aspects of how to be healthy when it comes to our nutrition. And so I'm really excited to chat with you today because it's good to talk to experts in the field and really get the right information. Thank you. I think about my work in neonatology, and we work with licensed nutritionists, even for babies in the NICU, helping us with their feedings and optimal nutrition. And then we provide nutritionists all throughout the hospital and in different subspecialties. We are a big team that you can always count on. It's great. It's really great. All right. Well, let's dive into the topic. I think many of our kids are probably not getting a healthy diet. What are the statistics, the numbers around nutrition today? Mm-hmm. Diet in United States is not as healthy as we wish <laughs> in general. Fewer than 10% of adolescents really eats enough fruits and vegetables, which should be at least half of the plate that we are serving. And also, there is a lot of sodium and extra sugar in everything. So we consume very, very high amounts of sugar and sodium in our diets. 
That doesn't surprise me. I'm sure I'm guilty of that. And I worry about my kids. They tend to like a lot of the processed foods that have high amounts of sodium and sugar. It's hard as a parent. Why do people not tend to eat a healthier diet? In general, I think there is a lot of misinformation out there. The brands really make a great job on marketing, letting you believe that we are healthy. Also, there is a lot of lack of access to healthy eating and so much more easy just to hit up a bag of ramen noodles than to actually get some fruits and vegetables. So those will be the main reasons. Yeah, I think for my family, it's the time factor that is probably the number one cause of why we don't make fresh meals and and try to make sure we have healthier ingredients. It's really hard. But of course, it's really important, right? And so when families or kids don't eat a better balanced diet or eat too many unhealthy foods, what are some of the risks to our health? There are many risks, but the chronic disease are the most related to unhealthy diets. So hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, even Alzheimer's, they are starting to call it related. So we really need to focus on how we can improve diet. And getting to that point that you were saying, many times is the lack of time that we have. This is our work to teach our patients that we can reverse that situation and many ways that we can make it easy. So you're telling me there's still hope, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> well, thank goodness you're here to help us with that journey to be healthier in our eating. Tell me from your perspective, what is healthy eating? What does that look like? Okay. I love that question because when people eat around me, they think that I'm the food police. Eating healthy is being able to eat everything, right? And that actually gives room for sweets or little treats once in a while, right? Okay. So it's about balance. It's about variety. And when we explain that, I really like to use the my plate graphic. I don't know if you have seen it, but it's a round that it has a quarter of that round is covered by protein. A quarter of the round is covered with grains and half of the plate is fruits and vegetables. So wow. this is something that I really stress out to my patients. The main character of the movie Eating Healthy is fruits and vegetables. Fruits so and we vegetables. really need to encourage and to focus on that balance in terms of variety and portion size is very important. So just to recap, half of your food plate should be fruits and vegetables, a quarter grains and a quarter protein. That's mm. ideal. And, and also we don't tend to mix fruits and, and vegetables, right? So yeah. it's kind of an ideal world, but I always do half of the plate, vegetables, so even ah. harder, and then a real fruit on the side. So like, even when I do cook a good meal, <laughs> I could look at my plate, even in terms of how I serve the food to make sure that we've got <coughs> half of it vegetables. Exactly. My plate is a very good way to explain what is healthy eating, but I like to always explain as well glycemic index. It sounds like that's something that's really important for parents to be aware of. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. So the glycemic index is how our meal is going to turn into blood sugar, into your bloodstream. Okay, so we are just like cars. We need energy to function, right? So we really need to charge our bodies, our cars. <laughs> and so the energy that we get to go along on the day, we get it from the food. So Every time that you eat something, you will chew it, you swallow it, and it will hit your stomach. 
So that is where everything happens between your stomach and your the first part of your intestine. But now we will focus on the stomach, okay? So then your stomach work is to dissemble this food. It will dissolve this food. Break it down. Break it down. And so that will be converted into this energy. I like to call it energy, but it's blood sugar. It's also the glycemic index, right? So when we eat carbs, our stomach doesn't have that much work to do. So it turns into this energy very quick. So instead of having a constant flow, we have a Tsunami of sugar. Like we hit the, the gas. Body. Exactly. We hit the, <laughs> the gas. Exactly. But because that is not healthy, insulin will come and will grab all this excess of energy and will put it away in your fat cells. And so you will have a very mm. fast crash down. And then your body is lacking energy again. So it will send you this message like, hey, go and get something. Yeah. We need something sweet here. So that's why we want to avoid to have big loads of carbs. But... If we mix this with vegetables and fruits, which has a lot of fiber, so fiber doesn't get absorbed by your bloodstream. So it can't act as a net that doesn't let the sugar mm-hmm. or like the energy to go that. Like it slows it the, down. Exactly. Slow it down. It's like so, slowly putting your foot on the pedal, right? Like Absolutely. I love how you're doing this, uh, this analogy with the car. I love it. I'll, I'll add it to my visit, to my right. actually. I thought I could help. <laughs> so that's why we really, really encourage fruits and vegetables. It really helps besides the, all the benefit that has a lot of vitamins, minerals, all those little things that you need for your body to work and function in a proper manner. And then it's protein, which is very difficult for your stomach to dissemble. So proteins and fats. And here I always like to make the distinction of let's focus on healthy fats though, like Uh avocados, olive oil, all those fats that you find in fishes. So those type of fats are very welcome because your body really takes time to dissemble it. So it keeps your stomach full for longer. So you have this feeling of like, I'm doing okay. And also your body's getting this release of energy little by little. So you feel like, oh, I'm good. I'm with energy. I'm focused. That's the healthy fats, protein. And then, as you said, for the vegetables and the fruits, they create that fiber net that helps to also keep it a slow input of blood sugar or energy. Uh I would like to highlight here that I'm not putting carbs as a bad actor, (laughs) right? It's just that we need to measure the amount. They play an important role in our nutrition. They are a quarter of our plate. So they have their place in there, right? (laughs) So because sometimes my patients are like, oh, you know, last night I ate rice and I feel so bad. Nothing wrong with eating rice, right? It's more about the balance and so how we create this environment Uh, in our stomach. I feel like I knew that fruits and vegetables were important and just to limit your carbohydrates and try to avoid the bad fats. Like all of that is information, but the way you just described it, the proportions and and what they do in your body just helps it stick for me. So I, I imagine it really helps your patients really understand how to approach a healthier diet and why that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when you understand what is going on, for real, instead of someone telling you, eat your fruits and vegetables, just because I say so, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work, right? So I really feel like it's important to have more knowledge about what is happening in our bodies when we eat. And especially because in some ways we are what we eat. So if we eat healthy, we should thrive healthy, right? Yeah. So yeah. We feel better. So how does one go about eating based on the glycemic index? I love your question. So ideally, for example, if you're having breakfast, let's say if you're eating eggs and toast 
and a fruit that you're covering all the portion size and also the variety, right? Or you can have a yogurt parfait with fruits and, and some good cereal that has a lot of fiber and that will be a balanced and healthy meal. What is your typical breakfast? So we can, this is my work. So whatever you're doing, <laughs> yeah. I can help you to improve it a little at that, least. That right? would be great. So my typical breakfast when I eat breakfast, although I should more than I do, is either if we have yogurt, I'll have a yogurt. But there's only limited types of yogurt that I like. So if I'm out of my favorite, then I just skip it. So it's either just a thing of yogurt. Typically, it's a chocolate and vanilla yogurt. Or maybe I have a breakfast burrito or a, oh gosh, this is the worst part, like a blueberry scone. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love blueberry scone, right? So so I don't think it's that bad. So this is the thing, like yogurt, if we choose, for example, like a Greek yogurt, will be mm-hmm. higher in protein. So you'll be in- increasing your protein intake. Okay. And then if you toast some like strawberries, that's protein and fiber already. Okay. So that will be better be than better. just the regular yogurt, right? By itself. Uh, okay. It doesn't matter the flavor. It's more about how is this as a whole, right? Okay. And then you mentioned your burrito. So your burrito, I guess it has beans. scrambled eggs, beans. Beans or so eggs. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, I usually that's vegetarian. Perfect. And your tortilla <laughs> is your grain. So, yeah. so go for it. Hey. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So people tend to think that they eat worse than they actually eat. And maybe just making some little changes, we can make great changes on the long term. Okay. So thinking about my breakfast as our example, when I think about the yogurt that I like, is there anything I should be looking for in terms of ingredients? Maybe one is better than the other because of what's in the actual type of yogurt. Reading the food label, it's a very good tool that you can have in your pocket and to really use it every day when you go to the grocery store. And I will always pay attention for yogurts, for example, to look for something that has more protein. And some things are healthy in their natural way, but they tend to add extra things. So I will also encourage to look for yogurts that has less than six or four grams of sugar. That will be a good combo for your new yogurt. My new yogurt breakfast. (laughs) I'm going to be looking at that label because I have to admit, I haven't really looked and I could be eating a yogurt that I think is good because it's got protein, but it may have a tremendous amount of sugar, which is not going to help. Exactly. And I feel like it's also important because it's not on the front of the package. It's more on the nutritional information. So many times we can find a lot of cereals that say healthy grains, helping the heart and, and all those things that sounds beautiful. But then when we look at the label, they have no fiber and they have a lot of sugar. So it's important to understand a little what that food label means. That makes sense. So really being thoughtful about looking at that. Well, and then even talking about the carbohydrate piece, right? I know not all carbohydrates are the same. Potato chips is not the same as maybe a whole grain brown rice or something like that. So can you help us to understand what we should be looking for in the types of carbohydrates? Absolutely. So the thing about carbohydrates, it's a little tricky, I feel, because I don't want to put rice or other grains like pasta in a bad way. (laughs) They usually don't have that much of a fiber, but we can complement this. If we are eating the right portion, we can complement this with the fruits and the vegetables. If we're making this as a part of the meal, it will change the way that will behave in the stomach. Okay. Okay, that being said, there is, of course, a difference between chips and rice or brown rice, for example. So definitely chips and everything that it's over-processed. And what yeah. I mean by over-processed is a machine already took that food, disassembled it a hundred times, put it away, put it back. 
add a lot of new things. So it's it's not like food. <laughs> so what happened with that type of carbohydrates is that when they hit my stomach, my stomach does nothing to do. Everything did it a machine early ah. in another stage. So it turns into blood sugar very quick. And ah. interesting because we don't associate chips with high blood sugar. We tend to think about sweets and bl- high blood sugar, right? Yeah. So anything that will be dissolved quick mm. in your stomach, it will dissolve. It will turn into sugar okay. very quick. So I give this tip to my patients. So put it in your mouth, close your mouth, don't move your teeth, <laughs> wait for it. And if it dissolves in your mouth, it will dissolve even faster in your stomach. Quick. Yeah, exactly. No work for your stomach to do. <laughs> exactly. In your stomach, you have acidic environment. You have the movement. So you have more action than in your mouth. So if it dissolves here quick. Don't eat too much of it. Yeah. So what about fats as well? What are the good and bad types of fat uh-huh. in our diet? So in general, the fats that are from animal protein, mm-hmm. but the fish it will be the unhealthy ones. All those will be the saturated fats. So red meat, I'm not saying that do not eat red meats. I'm saying choose the lean cuts and all that. But the healthy, let's focus on positive. So the healthy (laughs) will be the unsaturated, the polyunsaturated, those that we found on avocados, like plants, seeds, nuts, fish as well, olive oil. So those oils that comes from plant sources, that will be the, the healthy ones. Excellent. I love fish. That's a good sign. Okay, so this is really helpful for me to think about, and hopefully our audience is learning how we think about protein, fruits and vegetables, carbohydrates, and even some fats. What about snacks? Because I will tell you, Carolina, I am a guilty snacker. So as a neonatologist, right, we talk about babies needing to eat every three hours. That's me. I need to eat (laughs) something every three hours. And like I said, when I skip breakfast, I usually pay for it because my body's like, what in the world are you doing? And I get hangry. So I'm curious for those of us that do like to snack, how can we do that healthily? Yeah. Snacks are a must because it's a simple way to really keep your blood sugar level stable, keep your body happy and with energy along the day. So So it's a good thing. It's a a very good thing. Uh, But snack means between meals, one snack. It doesn't mean grace. (laughs) We call grace Ah. when you are snacking, snacking, snacking. Okay. A snack a snack is good, <laughs> and we actually encourage those. Okay. Especially for children. So ideally, we should be eating children so every four or three hours. Okay. And so if you're having breakfast at 8 a.m., and then you're having lunch at 12, maybe you don't need a snack. But maybe you're hungry, you can have a snack around 10.30. Okay. And what is a healthy snack? So we base it on, again, this idea of protein, because mm-hmm. it's the most difficult thing to dissemble. So it will keep you full for longer. And also fiber. Okay. And you know why now. Now right? I know why. It's a yeah. net. I think of fiber and I think net. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So kind of like that idea. So usually when I see my patients, they are buying a lot of packed snacks, like cookies, crackers, juices. So I really encourage them to switch to something more simple as a fruit mm. and a piece of cheese or a Greek yogurt and a fruit, or a ham and cheese sandwich, and some lettuce on it. Why not, right? So doing something simple, quick, but it will be something that we will really nourish our kids. Okay, so thinking about that healthy snack is really important. Yeah, it is. What about for kids that are really active? How do we keep them fueled? Mm-hmm. So I will say that it's almost the same. Okay. They will be a little more hungry naturally. So they will have maybe instead of one cheese string, they will have two. But it's the same. If they're 
being active, I will also very encourage hydration. So water. And water is the best hydration. I, I have heard a lot of people that is drinking these energy drinks Sports or sport type. drinks. Yes. Uh, and usually those are very high in sugar as well. Mm. So, so yeah, let's keep into the water. Let's, let's stick to water. Any hints for the kids that don't like water? My kids aren't too bad about water, but they obviously prefer things with sugar. So any hints to make water more appealing that yeah. parents could try? Sure. So you can actually add some fruit to the ah. water. So the fruit will be there. I wouldn't go to juices itself. Yeah. But sometimes if you have juice, you can water down your your juice. So when they have juice, yeah. Exactly. And also, if you really encourage water, they will like water. It's something that once you get into the water thing, you, you really feel like the difference on how you really get hydrated. When people drink sweet beverage and consciously they start thinking about it, they realize that they want to drink more and more and more of that. It's making them even more thirsty than they were before. Interesting. Okay. All right. We, I'm sure we all could have a little more water in our lives. It's about balance. If you are going to have some juice once in a while. It's nothing wrong with it. If you want to have a, a cracker once in a while, that's that's nothing wrong. But let's make sure. So we eat, as we were explaining at the beginning, to get the energy and to thrive throughout the day and to live healthy lives, etc. Right. So if we actually think about food as the element that will give us all that, like the energy and our vitamins and minerals and everything, and we can have some treats once in a while. And when you get your treat, please <laughs> eat it without guiltiness. Just enjoy it. Just because, enjoy it. <laughs> because that's another thing. People will eat something and it will be like, oh, this is so bad. No, just enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carolina, let's bring it back to our question from our parent, Amanda. She has one child that she's worried because the child's an athlete that maybe they are eating more and need to eat more. And then another child that's a picky eater and is worried that maybe is not eating enough. How do you advise parents? for appropriate portion size and how to determine the adequate portion size based on activity level. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, it will depend on the age. Teenagers, if you have any teenagers, you will know that they eat more. So uh, the portion size is very important. And this is a very good question as well, because some parents bring their children to me and they're like, they're not eating anything. I don't know what to do. And when we start going over the portion size, they expect that they will be eating like the adult size instead of like in a five years old. So they are trying to overfeed. Of course, they don't know about this. And so in terms of a portion size, the recommendation is not something exact. It has to be like this, but it's about, for example, one spoon of each food group per age until four years old. So let's say I have a two years old, it will be two spoons of uh, grains, two spoons of protein, and two spoons of fruits and vegetables, so each one, right? Ah. And so that will be for each meal. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. Of course, a toddler will eat less and will need to eat more often because mm. they have less space in their stomach. Yeah. So they will need to eat more often every two, three hours. But then when we are growing, our stomach also grows uh, and we have more capacity. So we will need to eat every four hours. If someone is more into physical activity, then it will be optimal to have some snacks in between. Okay. Uh, so depending on the amount of calories they are using, and also it will depend so much on how tall you are and how big you are and everything. So it will depend on, on each situation. Okay, so you mm -hmm. mentioned a spoon, two spoons per year of a food group, right, up until four years of age. But what size spoon? Teaspoon? <laughs> tablespoon? 
<laughs> it's a regular spoon, like a soup spoon. Okay, uh, like a yeah. serving, like a regular and, eating yeah. spoon. Yeah, <laughs> and this is this is just an approximate. It doesn't have to be like that. Some children eat more. That's also important to to let the children to feel their own cues. Sometimes we tend to overfeed the kids, and they insist, "I don't want to eat more," and we are like, "You don't stand up until you finish your plate." That's not a good practice, actually, because we are forcing that stomach to get bigger. So uh-huh. let the children explore how much they want to eat from the plate. That is good advice. And I also am thinking, so we have these guidelines, these goals, but for some kids, again, as we talked about with Amanda's kids, maybe some kids need a little bit more, a little bit less based on their activity level. I think about even my kids, I feel like because they're both little people, I don't even know, like, is that too much? Is that too little? So what are some things that parents can look out for in general to help identify if the diet is off, it's not enough, or it's not the right types of foods for our kids? Uh Luckily, we have one-year checkup for our children. So I feel like understanding well the growth chart, it's a very good way to see if they are getting the nutrients. If they are not growing, they are not thriving, it can be malabsorption, it can be like they are not eating enough nutrients. But in general, as a parent, you can look for signs of they are tired or they are constantly hungry. That will mean Mm. also that they are getting too much of those carbohydrate type of foods, right? Or it can be that sometimes they don't sleep well, they wake up in the middle of the night because they are hungry, Mm. especially babies. So it can be dark circles under your eyes, I think about, for example, even with my kids, sometimes I might not have realized that they were actually really hungry when they were really cranky, too. So sometimes that can be a sign that they're hungry if they can't tell you that they're hungry. And so thinking about that in my head, it could be that they're tired or it could be that they're hungry. And so I have to evaluate both. And there is other signs. Constipation, for example, it's a a Mm. very good way to understand might be not getting enough hydration and might not be getting enough fibers or no fruits and vegetables. And then the iron levels, of course, the labs that we can always check. But as a parent, those are signs that we can keep an eye on it. Yeah. So looking at those signs and then, of course, keeping up with your pediatrician to make sure that they're growing on their growth curve. Exactly. Appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. So for those kids that might need more support, what can parents seek out or what do we do for those families? So here at Boston Children's, we have great multidisciplinary teams. Your primary care physician will direct you to these teams. This prevention and we can solve many of those areas, but sometimes we also need a physician that will intervene with medication and, and will run the labs and etc. And also in the field of obesity, for example, we need mental health as well. It's very important in this area. So multidisciplinary teams are a great source that we have here at Boston Children's and depending on what area your children needs help. I just love that approach that you're thinking about the nutritional support, which may or may not be the primary focus, but it's the key piece. But then you also may have medical needs and and a medical evaluation component to it. And then you may also have a mental health support. So putting that triad together for kids that that need that extra support sounds really great to me. Exactly. And sometimes we we find out that children has swallowing issues. So depending on the situation, you, you will find different teams with different specialists. Yeah. So it's about figuring out what is really going on and then coming up with the right plan of care. That's great. So Carolina, as we near the end, being here at Boston Children's with so much research going on, I always like to ask our experts, are there any particular activities going on from a research perspective in nutrition right now, or where do you see the future going? Well, science always 
changing, right? So I have been very surprised to learn the relationship between Alzheimer's and nutrition. All these high peaks of low sugar and crash down creates an inflammatory process in your body, and that process might also be doing something with Alzheimer's. It's not out there yet, but they're starting to think about that. And that leads down the line to Alzheimer's. That's an incredible link. And again, it just speaks to the importance of a healthy diet and and how big a role nutrition plays in our overall health. So Carolina, nutritionists are so important. I'm learning so much in all aspects of our health. But Boston Children's, where are nutritionists and how are they working to help kids with their different overall healthcare needs? We are literally everywhere. Every specialty usually has a nutritionist that will be the best care on that specific subject. We have great nutritionists here at Boston Children's, so I'm pretty sure if you need one, you will find the correct one. Okay, so my final question before we end the podcast today is, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you would love our audience to be aware of? Yeah, so I will say that having in consideration cultural preferences and traditions, it's very important, especially as a provider. I'm from a Latino population and 80% of my patients are Latino and we speak Spanish. And even me as a Latino I have to learn to understand because I'm the South America and they're from Central America. So we have differences. Mm. So it's very interesting to really be open and really try to understand what are their cultures because I don't want my patients to switch their cultures or their preferences, right? So I feel like that's very important to try to incorporate all the flavors and all the things that people enjoy. At the end, eating, it's, it's a pleasure. So we should enjoy eating, right? I think that's really important to think about too, yes, because I imagine that depending on your culture, there are different things that influence your eating habits and so how you can support families in that and thinking inclusively, that is really great. Exactly, to give an advice that the patient can put in practice. It has to work for them. Exactly. You have to make make that balance. Exactly. That's really great. Well, another question I want to ask too, thinking about different populations of kids, what about kids with medical complexities? And I think about, for example, my kids, you know, being little people having a skeletal dysplasia. And I think about my childhood growing up, you know, my physician, my surgeon was always very cautious about what I ate so that I didn't put on too much weight because there was a propensity towards weight gain, but also because of my joint issues. Do you see kids in in your work that have medical complexities and how do you approach those patients? Yeah, I see a lot of those patients and I would say the line is kind of the same, always to encourage proteins, fruits, vegetables, to being careful with the portion size of the carbohydrates, mm-hmm. but also we will incorporate other needs. As for example, as some children with complexities of uh, heart disease, then will we focus more on sodium and also including more of these healthy fats on their diets. And we will switch depending on what the specific need is. But in general, I feel we all need to eat healthy. And it's this concept of the plate. I really like it because it really covers those are the nutrients that we need. So if if you eat that type of food, you should be thriving. Thinking about those concepts, they apply to everyone, but then there may be situations based on your medical needs that there's some unique advice that you give. I'm already going to change the way I set up my plates. Instead of half of it being carbs, it's going to be half the vegetable. (laughs) Yeah, you can have a salad before and then you can have a smaller plate. We can work on this. We all can improve a little more our diet with little simple details. So it's really amazing. Thank you for all that you do. You're helping all of us to stay healthy and happy. Thank you so much. 
Now on to doctor's orders. This is the part of the podcast where we prescribe an action that parents can take to help raise healthy kids. Carolina, what's your doctor's orders? In general, healthy eating, it's balance, it's portion size, it's learning to listen to your cue hungers. So I will say that one key message, don't force your children to eat. You mm. as a parent are responsible of choosing what they're going to eat and at what time. And your responsibility, it's over. And then children has the responsibility. Even when they have one year old, six month old, they're responsible to feel their hunger cues and to decide if they're going to eat and how much. Ah, so we're in charge of what and when. Exactly. They're in charge of how much if they are hungry. Uh So it's letting our children listen to their body about what they need. Exactly. And that will create healthy eaters. Through all their lives, it's kind of like a superpower that we're giving to our children. I love that. I love that. The more we can give superpowers to our kids, the better. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to Boston Children's Answers. And a special thanks today to our parent, Amanda, and of course, our guest expert, nutritionist, Carolina. For more information, as always, you can check out the link to all the podcasts at bostonchildrens.org. Thank you again and see you next time.